Welcome back to our Nachyomi series on Sefer Yechezkel. In today's show, we're studying Prachim Chaf through Chavdalad, chapters 20 through 24. As usual, our series is in conjunction with the OU and its Nachyomi project and sponsored with the help of the Cypress Foundation. In today's show, we're also going to see how our study of Yechezkel can help us appreciate certain themes in the book of Shemot and Sefer Vayikra as well. Let's begin with the opening line of chapter 20, and that will help us understand why chapters 20 through 24 form a unit. The opening line in chapter 20 tells us that this nevoah takes place in year 7, in the 5th month on the 10th day, when a group of elders of Israel come to Yechezkel, the Droshet Hashem, to ask or request something from God. Based on Yechezkel's answer to this request, we'll be able to figure out more precisely what it is that they were asking but before we discuss that, let's discuss the year. Recall that the first unit in Sefer Yechezkel, Prakim Aleph Tezayin, the first seven chapters, were prophecies that were delivered in year five of their exile. Chapters eight through 19 were prophecies delivered in year six. And now we have a set of prophecies delivered in year seven. We already explained on our earlier shiurim the significance of these years, years five, six, and seven of the exile, it's because specifically during these years is when the false prophets in Yerushalayim and Bavel are encouraging the people, giving them false hopes that Bavel is going to fall, Egypt will come to the rescue, the exiles that were sent out with the Oyechin are going to return, and that the worst is over. Yemiel in Yerushalayim is telling the people that's not going to be. If you rebel against Bavel, that will bring upon the final destruction of Yerushalayim. Yechezkel similarly tells them now in Bavel, as he sees God's Shekhinah, leaving Yerushalayim and landing in Bavel, as he described in the first 19 chapters, as we saw thus far, Yechezkel's message is exactly the opposite. Don't think that you're returning to Bavel. Instead, the Shekhinah in Yerushalayim is leaving the Beit HaMikdash. It's going to land in Bavel. The people in Bavel have to realize that, to understand, on the one hand, that they're not returning so fast, but on the other hand, that they are the future of the Jewish people. This theme is going to repeat itself and be emphasized once more in the prophecies of Yechezkel of year 7 in chapters 20 through 23. It's also rather ironic that the date of this nevoah is the 10th day of the 5th month in the 7th year. It will be exactly 4 years later to the date that the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed according to the date given in Yirmiyot, Perak Bet, the last chapter of Yirmiyot in Pasuk Bet, where he explains that the Chodesh HaChamishi, Basar Chodesh, is when Melech Bavel came and burned down the Beit HaMikdash. So let's take a look now at Yechezkel's response to this request to try and understand what it was that the people were asking for. Pasik bet, ben adam, God tells Yechezkel to tell these elders that this is God's response to their request. Are you coming to ask for me something? God swears in his own name, in his response, that he will not come and answer the request. Instead, he tells them, Pasik David, Instead of responding to the request, be judgmental of them. Tell them how bad they were, not only how bad they are, but even more so, how bad their forefathers had been. And then Yechezkel is going to continue with a description of how bad Am Yisrael was when they left Egypt. Based on this response, it appears that this drisha, the request from God, was a request for redemption. The elders of Israel in Bavel come to Yechezkel on behalf of the people and are dorating, the requesting, begging, maybe even demanding that God come and redeem His people. Considering that the time is running out now, 
on the prediction of the false prophets that within two years' time, the exile is going to return, the people are getting very anxious and are demanding from God that He fulfill His promise that they return to Yerushalayim. And there seems to be a bit of logic in that request. After all, Am Yisrael is God's people. Being in Bavel itself, as we're going to see later in Yechezko Perak Lamedvav in chapter 36, the very existence of God's nation in a foreign land in itself can be considered a chilo Hashem, a desecration of God's name. And the people are demanding on behalf of God's name and His reputation that He bring His people back to the land and put an end to this exile. In Jewish history, there are many precedents for such a request. If you pay attention to our daily tefillah and tachanun, especially the Bahura Chum that we say on Monday and Thursday, over and over again and we say, we might not be deserving, but for the sake of your name, for the sake of your reputation, come and save us. The final line that we say every day is, For the sake of your name, for the sake of your reputation, come and save us so that you, the God of all mankind, will look good. Recall also from the sin of the golden calf from Chet Ego. This was the strategy of Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah, where he tells God, if you destroy your people, the other nations, especially Egypt, were going to say it was because of God's weakness that he couldn't bring them to the land that he killed them in the desert. And this line of reasoning, that for the sake of God's reputation, he should save his people, is not only a logical one, it's a very basic one that we find over and over again, both in Jewish history and also in tefillah. God's answer that he tells Yechezkel to deliver to the people is going to come to explain why is it that God can't redeem his people at this time, why that will be counterproductive for the name of God and for his reputation. In a nutshell, God's going to tell the people, we've been there, we've done that, we tried that before, and it failed. And now it's going to be time for a much more drastic punishment to make sure that the people understand God's message properly. God's going to explain now in Parachaf that indeed when He took them out of Egypt, they weren't deserving. Nonetheless, God redeemed them. God saved them for the sake of His name. And many times in the desert, and also afterward when they came to the land of Israel, they were deserving of harsh punishment but God does not totally destroy them, again, for the sake of His name. Now Yechezkel has to explain that specifically for the sake of God's name, God has to destroy Yushalayim in order for the people to learn a lesson from this destruction so that when they return the next time, they'll understand much better the relationship with God and then represent Him properly. So we're going to see this now in Perachaf. In Psukim Hei through Yud, Yechezkel provides us with some very interesting information that sheds light onto what happened when we came out of Egypt. Using wording which is very similar to the opening lines of Parsha Da'era, chapter 6 in Sefer Shemot, we see that God had called upon Amisro to return and do proper repentance in order to be deserving of redemption when they left Egypt. There are details here that are only alluded to in Parsha Da'era, but here are much more specific. Because the people were demanding redemption, just like God redeemed them from Egypt, Yechezkel is going to first explain to them that redemption is a two-way street. And even when God took Amisa out of Egypt, there were certain demands that he had upon the people that required proper tshuva, proper repentance and readiness to be worthy of redemption. Recall the famous four Lashonot of Gula that we talk about at the Seder. If you look back in Sefer Shemot, Peregvav, Pasegvav, you'll see that they're enveloped by this phrase, Ani Hashem. God tells Moshe Rabbeinu to tell Bnei Yisrael, Lachin Amor Livnei Yisrael, Ani Hashem, followed by Votseiti, Vitzauti, Vigaalti, and finally, And then, in That phrase of God lifting up His hand to take them out of Egypt is repeated here twice in Sefer Yechezkel. 
And finally that promise ends with again Ani Hashem at the end of Pasachet. And the response of the people is very similar to what Yechezka is going to say here. By Deber Moshe Kena B'nei Yisrael, Moshe told this promise of redemption to B'nei Yisrael, enveloped by this phrase of Ani Hashem, V'lo shamu Moshe kasha, they didn't listen or obey to what Moshe told them because of their hard work. Here Yechezka explains most likely what it means, V'lo shamu Moshe, which is alluded to, that they didn't obey what God told them in Sefer Shmot. Here we have the details in Sefer Yechezkel. Pasuk Vav, in Sefer Yechezkel, V'yomohu nasati et yadi lehem, lo tziyam eretz mitzrayim, el eretz ashertati lehem zabat chalabud vash, etc. On that day, I lifted up my hand to take them out of Egypt. V'amar lehem, but what did I tell them when I promised them redemption, when I told them Ani Hashem? Ish shikutzei enav hashlichu, when I told them, I'm your God, that included a demand that they reject Egyptian culture, that they stop defiling themselves with the Egyptian way of life. But they rebelled against me. They didn't want to listen to me or obey me, like we had in Shemot. What does that mean? The people did not leave their Egyptian ways of life. What did God want to do? Because the people were not ready for redemption, God wanted to destroy them in Egypt. The kingdom was anger against them there. Why did He not do that at that time? God said that really you were deserving a punishment way back then. You were not deserving to come out of Egypt. But for the sake of my name, I took you out. Now, based on that logic, it would make sense that God would take the people out of Bavel now and bring them back to Yerushalayim for the same reason that God did not totally destroy the Jewish people before they left Egypt. But there, Sefer Shemot already explains to us a good reason why they didn't listen. They didn't listen. They had a good excuse because they were under very difficult slavery. And here it's the first time offense. Yechezkel continues now in Perachaf and says over and over again, I gave you a second chance. In Pasuk Yud, God took us to the desert and God gave them laws. God gave us laws. He gave us the laws of Shabbat. But again, what happened in the desert? The Amruvi. In the desert, Am Yisrael again rebelled against God. They didn't keep His laws. And again, God said that I'm going to kindle my anger against them. But in But again, God saved them for the sake of His name. Not only is there a parallel here to what happens in the beginning of an era in Parshat Shmot, there's even a stronger parallel to Sefer Vayikra, Prakim Yudchet and Yutet, chapters 18 and 19 in the book of Vayikra. Vayikra Yudchet begins in a very similar manner to Shmot Perekvav, an opening line to tell B'nai Yisrael again, I'm Hashem, your God. Then, It begins with the commandment to rid yourself of Egyptian culture and Canaanite culture. Instead, so this idea that God gave us Chukimu Mishpatim that are very different than the culture of Egypt and these are laws that we have to keep 
because through them we represent God and through them that's our life. Interspersed in this commandment is the phrase Ani Hashem, Ani Hashem Elokechem that we saw in Sefer Shemot as well and now in Yechezkel. The point that Yechezkel is making is very clear. When I took you out of Egypt, it was for a reason. It was to give you laws to make you a nation to represent God. And even though you didn't follow those laws in the beginning, you weren't ready for redemption, but because of your difficult situation, because of your servitude and your slavery and your hardship, God gave you a second chance and a third chance. And finally, God brought you to the land. And again, you rebelled against Him. And we're going to see, Cheska is going to continue with these parallels to the book of Aikra, especially to what continues in Perikutet, to the mitzvot of Gloshim to you, because it's through keeping those mitzvot of Gloshim to you that we become this nation representing God. And God has to explain to the people through Yechezkel why He's not giving them a second chance like He gave them over and over again in the desert and during earlier times in Jewish history. In light of this, Yechezkel continues all the way up until Pasek Lamed in Perachav about how all the times God did for the sake of His name and saved us even though we weren't deserving. But now we've gone too far. And in Pasek Lamed He's going to explain why this time He won't save them. In Pasek Lamed, verse 30, You're continuing these evil ways of your forefathers. Pasek Lamed Aleph, You're continuing in these bad ways, and now you want me, now you're begging and demanding that I redeem you? God again swears in His own name that He won't answer this request. But now we're going to see the flip side of this equation. Because the people might understand God's answer that He won't come and save them as though God has abandoned His people. And therefore the people can say, if God abandoned us, we'll abandon Him and follow other gods. And therefore Yechezkel continues in Pasek Lamedved, And the other possibility that you're considering, this also won't be, if God doesn't redeem us and we stay in Bavel, we should become like the other nations and follow their other gods and bow down to wood and stone. God says, no matter what, I'm going to be king over you. And now he's going to return to the imagery of coming out of Egypt. He's going to explain that the exile into Bavel will serve a very similar purpose as their enslavement in Egypt and the troubles they had in the desert. What Moshe Rabbeinu refers to in Sefer Dvarim is Kor HaBarzel. In Sefer Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu compares all the difficulties and the sufferings and hardships that we had coming out of Egypt and in the desert as a furnace through which you put metal to make the metal stronger and better. God's going to have to put Amisro through these difficult times in order to strengthen them. They get them ready to return so that when they return the next time, they'll be ready to become God's nation again. Therefore, God's going to explain now that either scenario that you're suggesting won't be. Instead, there'll be a third scenario which He's going to explain. I'm not going to bring you back right away. I'm not going to give you the redemption that you're begging for. On the other hand, I'm not going to give you the option to leave me and be like the other nations. I'm going to remain king over you. But now, instead, I'm going to explain to you the purpose of your exile. I'm going to take you out of this land like you asked for. Indeed, I'm going to bring you back from Bavel to the land of Israel, but not in the immediate manner that you're requesting. Instead, 
V'nishpatiti itchem sham panim apanim. I'm going to bring you to the desert of nations. Here we're using the imagery from coming out of Egypt. When we came out of Egypt, we went through a desert and suffered hardships there. Now the desert is going to be the other nations that Amiso is going to suffer under during their exile. Referred to as Midbar Amin. And there I'm going to be judgmental of you. Remember God told Yecheskel in Pasuk Dalad, Hatishpototam, Hatishpot ben Adam. God tells Yecheskel, don't answer the request for redemption. Instead, be judgmental of them. God's going to explain now how he's going to judge them and punish them for their deeds. In Pasuk Hamavav he explains, Kasher nishpateti et avotechem b'midbar eretz Mitzrayim, Ken ishafet itchem numashem Elohim. Just like I judge your forefathers and punish them and put them to hardships coming out of Egypt in that whole process of the first redemption, I'm going to do the same thing to you now in exile. Again, this is the main point we've been making over and over again. Yechezkel's primary message to the people is to understand their exile is rehabilitation. And therefore, V'avarti etchem tachat ha-shavet v'evite etchem b'masorat ha-brit u'varoti mikem ha-mordim v'aposhim bi v'eretz m'grohem o-tziotam v'admat Yisrael lo yavo v'idatem ki eni Hashem I'm going to bring you to this desert of nations. I'm going to punish you, put you through a very difficult test. Then only afterward, I'm going to bring you back to the land and only afterward you'll be able to serve me properly in the Beit HaMikdash. In Pasuk Ben, he continues, Ki bahar kochi bahar morom Yisraelu ma'ashem Elohim, sham yavduni ko Beit Yisraelu kula ba'aretz, sham ertzen, Pasuk Mem ala brech nichoach ertze etchem, bo'otzi etchem min hamim, v'kibatzi etchem min ha'ertzot, asher nefotzotem bam, v'niktashti b'chem deni ha'goyim. I'll bring you back. Those who survive and were worthy, they will come back to the Beit HaMikdash. They'll come back to the land of Israel and I'll gather them from the nations and then I'll sanctify my name through them in the eyes of the other nations. After that whole process is over, not an immediate redemption, but a difficult one over several decades, then vidatem ki Hashem, then you'll know that I'm God. Then when that process is over, then you'll know that I'm the God who took you out and who brought you back now to the land of Israel. Now in the final two psukim, Yechezkel is going to clarify this exact point. Pasuk Mem Gimel, verse 43. Then you're going to remember all your bad ways and you'll be embarrassed for all the bad things you've done. V'idatem ki'en Hashem, basoti etchem l'man shmi. Then you'll know that I'm God when I do this to you all for the sake of my name. God is saying his primary point. Your whole claim is you want redemption for the sake of God's name. God's telling you for the sake of his name he has to punish you first. He can't continue to allow you to worship him in Yerushalayim if your core behavior is failing. Over and over again God gave you a second chance, a third chance. God says it hasn't been working. Now you need to go through another rehabilitation process in Midbar HaAmim, just like you went through the first process coming out of Egypt. You have to go through that process again. Redemption can't come right away. It must be a difficult process. Only after that long process will you recognize how bad your actions were in the time of the first temple. Hopefully, once you learn that message and you return and build the second temple, that time you'll get it right. In Perachaf Aleph, God is going to give Yechezko a mashal, an analogy to tell the people, where he talks about the sword of God that's being sharpened and taken out of its holder, representing God's readiness to come now and punish those who remained in Yerushalayim. Let's skip now to Pasuk Aleph in chapter 21, verse 11, and pay attention to what God tells Yechezko to do. After telling him this, I want you to groan and moan, when the people are asking, what are you groaning about? 
Yechazkel says, I'm groaning because I hear the rumors about the destruction of Yerushalayim that's about to happen. Then he continues to explain how difficult this destruction is going to be, how God's sword, carried down by the Babylonians, is going to come and destroy the city and kill most of its people. In this Nevoah, Yechazkel also describes how the king of Babel is going to reach a crossroads where he has to make a choice, should he go first to Jordan or to Yerushalayim, to Ammon or to Yehuda, and God will lead him to the decision to pick Yerushalayim first. In chapter 20, God explains to the people why he's not going to give them immediate redemption like they're asking for. In chapter 21, he explains to them how Yushalayim is indeed going to be destroyed as the Babylonians are not going to fall to Egypt. Instead, the Babylonians are going to come and put down the rebellion in Yushalayim and destroy the city. Now in chapter 22, Yechezkel needs to be more specific and has to explain to the people more precisely what it was that they're doing wrong in Yushalayim. Let's look at the opening lines of Perich in chapter 22. Now it's your job to be judgmental to the city of blood, referring to Yerushalayim. Let it know all of its abominations, just like God told Yechezkel in his opening line in chapter 20, in Pasuk Dalad, where the people ask for redemption, and God answers, God fulfills that now more specifically in chapter 22. We're not going to read all of chapter 22. We want to point out, however, it's parallel to chapter 18. In chapter 18, in year 6, Yechezko explained the lack of tzedek mishpat that was taking place in Yerushalayim. Here we have re-emphasis of this exact same point and reviewing almost the exact same sins that Yechezko talked about in chapter 18. He's going to review again in chapter 22. Let's simply take a quick look at some of the sins that Yechezko points out and we want to notice how they relate once again to Sefer Vayikra, Prakim Yudchet and Yutet, the laws of the Rayot in chapter 18, and the laws of Ketoshim Tiyu in chapter 19. Afterward, we'll explain why Yechezko relates specifically to these sins. In verse 7 in chapter 22, Here we talk about a city not only spilling blood, but also about a nation that's oppressing its strangers, and not only not taking care of the widows and orphans, but even cheating them. They make God's holy korbanot defiled by acting this way. They also defiled the Shabbat. This is definitely a pasuk referring to from That's what you've been doing wrong in Yerushalayim. In Pasuk Yud, That's it. A reference to the Arayot in chapters 18 and 20 in the book of Vayikra. Again, references to the Arayot in Vayikra Perak Yudchet and Chaf. You took bribes. In addition to the Arayot, we also have the Avirot of Toshim to you. You took Shochad, you took bribery. You let money with interest, you oppress people, your friends, and you forgot God in all this. And therefore God explains this is the reason for your punishment. God says, I can't continue to allow this to happen anymore. Therefore I'm going to, I said what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it. Therefore, Pasik Tedvav, Vafitsoti Otach Bagoim, therefore I'm going to disperse you among the nations, Finally, in Pasik Tedvav, in verse 16, Vinichat Vam Goim, here the word benichat comes from Lashon Lachalel to desecrate God's name. But it seems to be a play in words. You're losing your nachala and instead you're going to be a desecration. 
V'yadad keni Hashem. When that happens to you, then you know that I'm God, the one punishing you for all this. In Psukim Yud Zayin Techabet, verses 17 to 22, he goes to the analogy of Korah Barzel again, about a smelting furnace where all these different types of impurities in metal are comparing to this act, this behavior of the people in Yushalayim. Therefore, God has to take this metal and burn it to get rid of all these impurities. Beginning in Pasach Hafei, he talks about the problems of the leadership. Kesher Nevi'eh Betochai, he complains about the false prophets. Ko'anech Hamsu Torati, Vechalu Kodashai, he complains about the Ko'anim, who are ruining the Torah, not explaining it, not keeping it, and explaining it properly. Sareb Bekirbah, Kesevim Torfei Taraf, he complains about the ministers in Pasach Havzayim. He complains about the prophets again in Pasach Havchet. And then finally, in Pasach Havchet, he complains about the people again, the Ama'aretz, possibly the landowners, or the regular people. Ama'aretz ashku oshek v'gazu gazel, v'ani v'edyon honu, v'etger ashku v'lo mishpat. He repeats his complaint about the people stealing, oppressing, not taking care of the poor and the needy, and oppressing specifically the stranger without proper judgment. And then, Pasach Lamed, v'avakesh mehem ish goder gader v'omid v'paretz, God was looking for at least one person, someone, who would put up a fence to stand against what's happening to stop this destruction and this punishment, but he couldn't find anyone to prevent their behavior. And therefore, I'm paying them back for what they did. I'm going to kindle my anger against them and punish them for this behavior. To summarize, in chapter 22, Yechezkel goes into much more detail about why the city of Yerushalayim is being punished. It's not only because of their idol worship. In fact, we see that they're serving God, but he's complaining about the service of God as, a, as an abomination because of their day-to-day behavior. And here we get the classic list again of how poorly the people are acting in the realm of social justice as well as in the realm of Arayot. And the basic society that's supposed to be one that's representing God, instead they're acting no better than those societies of Egypt and Canaan that God took them out of when he had his hopes to redeem his people, to create a model nation that would serve him properly. It's clear also from Perachabet that Yechezkel uses specifically imagery from the book of Ayikra to explain what the people are doing wrong. Now, why is Yechezkel using all this imagery from the book of Ayikra? The reason why, I think, is very simple. Because at the end of Sefer Ayikra, in the Tochacha, God explains the reward Am Yisrael receives if they follow God's laws properly, and also their punishment should they not follow. And the end of that punishment in the Tochacha is Vashimotit Mikdashechem, that the Beit HaMikdash will be destroyed. I'm going to send you into exile. But finally, after I send you into exile, ultimately I'll bring you back. To emphasize that what's happening to Am Yisrael is not God leaving His people, but God is keeping to His covenant. But because of that covenant, there's a time where God says, I can only forgive you so much. But if you continue to do bad and don't learn your lesson properly, I'm going to have to exile you. Yecheskas to explain to the people that indeed the warning of Sefer Vayikra is coming true. Therefore, don't interpret this exile as God has left His people and therefore you can worship other gods now. Instead, exactly the opposite. Interpret this as a fulfillment of God's promise and warning in the book of Vayikra that when you worship God in an improper manner and don't keep the laws of Toshim to you, then there's no point in bringing your korbanot after destroy that mikdash and send you into exile. In chapter 23, Yechezko brings his famous mashal about two sisters, Ola and Oliva, who were committing adultery, first with Egypt and then with Ashur, without going to all the details. Yechezko was very harsh about the people's behavior, saying how Yehuda is even more responsible for what's going wrong because they should have learned from their older sister, from Shamron, how they were punished for what they did wrong. 
And Yechezkel uses this very vivid and harsh imagery about adultery to explain why God is so upset with his nation's behavior to the point that he has to exile them and punish them so harshly. It could be one of the reasons why Yechezkel is using this imagery is to explain the anger, which is similar to human anger over adulterous behavior. That can explain the intensity of God's punishment that he's going to bring upon his people. If you simply look at the last line of the parak in Pasuk Memtet, verse 49 in chapter 23, You're going to carry your sins for your zima and all your abominations. Then you'll know that I'm God. We see again the purpose of all this punishment is to get the people to realize that they've sinned and it is not that God has left his people. Instead, that God is punishing his people. Finally, in chapter 24, we have the famous Nevoah, in the ninth year, on the 10th of Tevet, where it's already now a lost cause, the Babylonians have already began the siege on Yerushalayim, Yechezkel forecasts that event on that very day in Babel itself, talking about what's going to happen in Yerushalayim. We'll conclude our share with the last lines of Perech Abdalad, which will explain why Yechezkel is giving all these nevot, even though the people aren't going to listen. Pasach verse 25, on the day when I take away from them the Beit HaMikdash, the edifice they were so happy with, the source of all their strength, when the actual Beit HaMikdash that they had put so much hope in is finally going to be destroyed, the refugee from that destruction is going to come all the way to Bavel, so that the people will hear this news. When that refugee comes and tells the story of destruction of Yerushalayim the way Yechezkel had predicted, that refugee will enable you to open your mouth. You'll be able to speak and you won't need to be quiet anymore. Then you'll be a sign and the people will know that I'm God. They're not going to believe you when you give them these warnings beforehand. They don't want to buy it. When the news comes and they see that your predictions came true, then they'll begin to listen to you. This we explained in our opening shir. That is why God tells Yechezkel to give these nevot even though the people aren't going to listen. Remember he told them the people are baked merry, they're rebellious, they're not going to listen to you anyhow. But tell them these nevot. Yechezkel has to be on record so that when the destruction does take place, the people realize, at least afterwards, Yechezkel was right. And hopefully, in light of those events, the people internalize Yechezkel's message afterwards and recognize that the destruction was part of a rehabilitation process and hopefully that will cause the Jews in Babel to repent properly and return to God and get themselves ready for the redemption that will happen many decades later. In chapter 25, Yechezkel will begin a new unit about Nevot, about the other nations. That will be the topic of our next year.